0: Ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point off Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffinboss. Save your jokes at the door. I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest and Florida status in everything sports or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all over. Around the world, of course, you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. And you can also find us on Twitter at Talk underscore Tomahawk. Brett has taken a break from the panel scene, and he is up on the Twitter deck. Say hi to Brett for me, if you could be so kind. Welcome to Tomahawk Talk, everybody. And just like the person running the FSU football Twitter, we probably need a, a
1: break from our, our daily lives. Uh, I don't. It's kind of been rough over that department, hasn't it? Uh, you know, Alex Limonico, uh, my roommate, who was an intern there, he told me that uh, he's almost embarrassed to put that on his resume. Really? That he was an intern for FSU's social media for football, and uh, I don't know, Nick, would you, would you put that on there, given uh, how they've been the last? I don't two know. Years? It's kind of just hilariously bad,
0: and it, it's drastically bad from the other departments. Like I don't understand. You think it'd be uniform?
1: Well, in the protocol. other departments I mean, sir – they're like better or yeah. they're actually good. The most important one, they seem to not get it right. It's, it's I almost describe it as it's gotten to the point where, you know, you when your dad tells a horrible joke and everyone laughs at it because it's horrible, not because it's good. Right. People are laughing at Florida State. Uh, not in a good way, though. Yeah, not good at all. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: I know you were all struggling, but the wait is almost over. Football is almost back. Just a few more weekends with the pigskin. Uh, not to say that we don't <laughs> enjoy uh, every other sport on the planet, because you know we do. It's just that we get to you know, really sink our te- teeth rather, into the, uh, the juiciest storylines and got our prediction caps on. We have a great show for you tonight. Lots of things to talk about. Great variety. Do the Mets have a game plan and more with the trade deadline, as well as some preseason stories? Let's get right into it. What is a captain without his crew? I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. UCF, Luke Fay, finally Woo! getting his hearing back
1: in his ear. I am so happy for you. After a uh. month of just... Bad hearing. You know, I've kept it to myself. It was, it was a little bit more than a month. Pretty serious Uh-oh. stuff here, wow. in Nick. You know, they said they said I could have a hole in my eardrum, but I, uh, but you know what? I go out in power every day, every day. You know, give it, give it my all. Even though sometimes I uh, can't hear what people are saying, and sometimes you gotta, you gotta block out the haters. But I automatically was blocking out everyone, <laughs> so that's not that great.
0: Uh, and joining us tonight for the first time, Mr. Brooks Brazil, Brazil. Uh, Brazil almost yeah. got there at French. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing tonight, man?
2: I'm doing all right. Uh, excited to be here uh, last week of uh, first semester of college. So that's awesome. Yeah, and, uh, this nice setup we got here is way better than the podcast I used to do in my parents' basement. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: a little bit of an uptick in uh, it performs for sure. And for every first time there is on Tom- Tom- Tomahawk Talk, there is a last uh sammy profeta is here for his final appearance on tomahawk talk sammy has been here a round of has, luke's giving a round of applause
1: oh thanks guys yeah well <laughs> it was a, it was a late applause it was there.
0: a late applause but applause nonetheless he's been here for a long time uh it's good to see you back and it's sad to see you go my friend
3: appreciate it I'm glad to be here
0: and uh finally we have adam schmidt rounding out the panel good to have you on as well another one of the uh, the new freshmen that we have here at the station i'm sure equally as excited maybe i don't know you didn't do a. A podcast like Brooks did in his basement.
4: It's good to be here. Uh Good to try podcast for the first time. My friend Brooks. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. Cal has treated me well so far, so
1: that's quite good. <laughs> that's good to hear. Nick, you remember you remember how long ago it was when we were here
4: uh, as freshmen? Oh god. Oh boy. Please don't make me
1: Florida feel that State, old. Uh, Florida State was coming off of a, uh, I believe it was a Rose Bowl thrashing by Oregon. Yeah. And uh, we we got to indulge ourselves in the legend of Schmag, <laughs> Sean Maguire. <laughs> so people forget Schmag and uh, I just like to I'd like to give him a shout out there. Schmag Learn learned something the other day Schmag is a graduate assistant at Texas A and M with Jimbo. Really? Very interesting. Interesting. So, uh, you might maybe maybe he could be a future offensive coordinator for Florida State. <laughs> and it, you mean in help not at all? <laughs> no yeah. Well it, hey, game he's a game manager, all okay. right. You know, that's that's yeah. It, you people forget what he did against Clemson. He single handedly threw a pass that Caused a touchdown um, and, yeah. and won the game, but. Played pretty horrible the whole game though. Right. People forget about that. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Luke, Faye, Brooks, Sammy, Adam, and once again, I'm your host Nick Carlisle. We are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take the past week in sports, rip the top stories, ask our panel about them without them knowing the topic, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of the head. Are you okay? Did you almost fall out of the chair? This chair is brutal. Okay. Over here. Uh, oh. <laughs> at the top of the show, <laughs> and tonight, if Luke can survive it, uh, well, in case you were wondering if you were making the correct life decisions or not a 16 year old player named buga yeah you heard that right buga just won three million dollars winning the fortnite world cup now i'm a bit of a big supporter of esports but this kid won more than tiger woods won at the masters when he won it in fact this entire prize pool across all events was around 30 million dollars which is about the amount of the winnings for the fifa women's world cup guys this is a bit of a front-loaded question but how seriously should we start treating esports as a legitimate sport luke
1: well, uh, I think the coverage there has been very minimal. When we were growing up, it's uh, it's been. <laughs> I I would always look back to my my dad didn't buy me any gaming consoles because you would never make money in in video games. Uh, and and that's come to bite him back. I believe they they offered him a opportunity to go cover an esports event recently, and he turned it down out of embarrassment for his prediction. This is this is interesting, Nick. I, I gotta say. I never would have thought that any any twenty five year old kid who lived in his basement, uh, you know, Ie over here, uh, would <laughs> w- would be able to make any money off of it. And you've just seen it get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's almost like um, it's cool to be a nerd again. Um, and I've never I've never been into video games, but all of a sudden, all these people are playing video games, and I I somewhat feel like uh, the kid who never got sports. I feel like the kid who never got video games. It's interesting, isn't it, Sammy?
0: Sam, well, <laughs> Sammy, is, is esports should we take that you know seriously as a legitimate sport or no?
3: Um, I think it's definitely on the rise. You know, every if you look at if you look at the NBA, every NBA team has an esports team, and that league is
2: starting to go. It's starting to take off.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Brooks, what do you think?
2: Uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting to see the development. Uh, in in terms of the way the way, uh, stars of of esports such as like Ninja. Uh, Mm -hmm. for example, who's a big Fortnite player, Mm -hmm. have escalated to the point where uh, way more people know who this ninja guy is for playing video games than you would know uh, Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels or or probably even Derek Jeter uh, when he was with the Yankees, so it's interesting to see that rise and I do think we need to start taking it seriously for sure.
4: Adam, do you agree with Brooks? Yeah, I mean it's something we're going to have to start accepting. I mean (laughs) it's come to this time of the day, day and age where, you know, it's just something that's on the rise and it's great to see kids younger than me have more money than I'll probably ever have by the time I'm 40. So <laughs> yeah, it puts, a, puts I, a
0: real perspective on what you're doing with your graduate
1: and your, and yeah. your college career. Nick, I know you're a video game guy. Over I, am a video here. Game guy. Somewhat, I don't want to plug your, you know, your streamer handle, yeah, yeah, and yeah, whatnot, yeah, yeah. but, but how, how does this affect how, how you looked at, at the sport? Did you ever think it was going to be seen as a sport? Well, I mean, it really depends on what game it is and where you're playing it. You
0: know, it, there's only real one real competitor when it comes to console, and that's really Call of Duty, and that's the big one. Obviously, Fortnite is PC. Some of the bigger games that you've probably would have heard of, if you have followed esports, I'm talking Le- League of Legends, CSGO, some of the bigger names, those are all uh, mouse and keyboard PCs. So the money is different depending on the console uh, or, or whether or not you play on PC. depends on the game, depending how big it is. But, I mean, $3 million
1: I, I just feel like I've made a bad decision. I was about to say, do you think you should cover another sport or maybe see if you can go pro finally? Yeah, I just <laughs> – <laughs> Finally foot, go pro. You know, bro. the football days and basketball days are behind us. Yeah. But I feel like you can get your fingers working some way. I mean
0: and, – and it's really interesting because, you know, people kind of want to write off video games as a very nerdy thing and something that, oh, it takes no athleticism. It takes – well, obviously it's not like unless you're playing Wii Sports competitive. I don't even know if that's a thing. Uh, Big Wii Sports guy over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Adam, Adam and Brooks as well. Um, and, I mean, it, it takes a lot of reaction time and just cognitive ability, which I think is very, very underlooked when you compare esports to real sports. It's something that a lot of, you know, professional players, whether you're playing a video game or whether you're playing football, it's something that they share, and people don't really take a look at that.
1: You, you know what I find super interesting, Nick, is that it's not like there's just a section of people playing playing these games. Pro athletes are out right. there playing games as well. Juju Smith Schuster uh, was very famous for I think he played with Ninja at one point in time, and and all the stuff going on. Where it's it's pretty cool to be an athlete, but it's the athletes are figuring out that they can grow their brand through other games and and, and almost uh, extending themselves beyond to where uh, kids can see. You know, it is cool to be an um, a pro athlete, but these guys are also saying it's cool to be you know the kid playing video games and. And wherever it is, whether it's in your basement or, you know, somewhere professionally in a huge arena where it's being sold out and uh, you're making $3 million. You know what I found was interesting? There was a 13-year-old there that came in fifth place, Nick, $900,000. That is un- – I don't know what you could be doing at 13 where you could get that. There's just I. – You're part of a drug cartel if you're – I don't know. I, I, I just I don't, don't even – I mean, you put that baby in the bank right now. You're yeah. set for life. Good, good yeah. on him. Good on him. Yeah. But then again, uh, you could be washed as a 13-year-old. You, could, you know, yeah, as well, uh, you peep uh, when knows? you were 13. <laughs> uh, just one final
0: thing to think about before we move on. Obviously, a little drawn out here, but just kind of the relatability when it comes to, or I guess the sociability rather, when it comes to athletes and their video games. You think about stuff like NBA 2K or the Madden franchise. How how even the professional athletes take those games kind of seriously, and that's kind of developed as as the video game industry has developed over the past couple of years. So that was the off the top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me. Answered. By our panel. So, before we go any further, there's actually, oh my gosh, there's actually some Florida State news. Finally, I mean, well, besides the the odd recruit here, the tw- the re- recruiting class of twenty twenty news here or there. Uh, assistant basketball coach Dennis Gates uh, leaving the program, heading to Cleveland State which uh, is, is a bit of a loss for Florida State. I mean, he's been instrumental in bringing in a lot of the top players that have graduated or are still at the program uh, over the past couple of years, talking about Fiondu Cavangeli, uh, Malik Beasley, Dwayne Bacon, uh, Jonathan Isaac. He all had a huge hand in, in getting those players to Florida State. So, um, you know, as – Florida
1: State fans you've got to wish him well as he you know pursues a head coaching job at Cleveland State. Big, big shout out to him. I know a couple of guys that have uh, worked with him, a couple of team managers and he's brought Jonathan Isaac, Dwayne Bacon, Kevin um, Gelly as well just a, a bunch of big recruits to Florida State and it's gonna be a big loss. but one thing that I, I learned from him is he'd come in and spoke to our major before uh, sports management and he told some people he said I had never he had never applied for a job. He never actually applied for a job all of his jobs had become word of mouth and and they had brought him in so he had he had actually been up for a job I want to say it was California Berkeley uh, or it was a school in California and he came runner-up because he didn't have head coaching experience so it's good to see him finally branch out and Cleveland State uh, there is a legend that went to Cleveland State. Nick, I think you know who this is. No, can, I don't. Can you think of the NBA legend? No, I don't. That, I'm already, uh, I'm already answer I'm already shooting down your question. Can ba- you just tell back me? up point guard for the Miami Heat in the Big Three era? Uh, Norris uh, Cole. Norris hey. Cole. Oh, there okay. we go. Well, I think hey. Sammy had it over there in the corner. Surprise, NBA sometimes. legend Norris Cole came from Cleveland State. That's a big pickup mm-hmm. there. So Absolutely. Dennis Gates, he's got he's got a uh, he's got some NBA NBA players that have come out of there. Um, maybe One we'll, NBA player to well, come out know, of you there, you know. Hey, one's better We're clenching than at none. straws, you
0: know, clenching at straws. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So moving on to
0: NFL preseason, it's starting to get riled up. Everybody's starting to get really excited again. Brooks, I'm just gonna throw the first question at at you. Uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, apologized on Twitter to his fantasy football owners from last season. Uh, was this really necessary, in your opinion?
2: Uh, Not. Really, I mean, it's his life, it's his career. Um, You know, unfortunately, I was one of the uh, players uh, who had him on, who had Le'Veon on my team at one point. Um, I went 16 and something, so that was cool, not a big deal.
0: Uh, (laughs) Didn't uh, really need you, Le'Veon, but I'll accept your apology anyways.
2: yeah, I don't. I mean, it was cool, you know, like that he's trying to connect the fans. Absolutely, but it's not like you're not going to see Ovechkin come out and apologize. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see, because it's it's their career, you know. It's, it's for our enjoyment, but in, in the end, it's their career.
0: You know, Le'Veon Bell really isn't the type of person to apologize very often, Adam. So when you saw this tweet, what was your first impression?
4: I mean, it was very surprising at first, but I mean, like he said, the only thing Le'Veon Bell really cares about is real football. It's just a thing for him to connect to the fans. And I mean, thank God I picked up James Conner last year. Greatest <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. pick-up. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, just Sammy as a, as a Dolphins fan. Uh, no, not a Dolphins fan.
1: Our core Jets fan. Oh. oh, buddy. Oh. buddy. Oh. So he does have the Le'Veon so actually, fever. Wait, so actually,
0: that's better. He's got the Le'Veon fever there. Nick. Well, I got that wrong, but you get one wrong every show. Yeah. That's good. I'm going to mark that one down. But as a Jets fan, how, how are you feeling about uh, about his, uh, his his apology to fans?
3: Well, if he wasn't on the Jets, I would say it wasn't okay. It, I mean, <laughs> I do not really care. But now that he's on the Jets, you know, um, I think it's a good way to connect with the fans that really did pick him up. Um, to see his you know to get to get stats from mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. um but i think he's i think he's really going to show out this season and prove prove what he could do in the field
0: yeah so you, uh, just as a just fan what is your just impression on the way that he's been handling his time with the new york Jets since he's been there he seemed excited for sure but also you can say a little overconfident what, what was your just general take on how he's acted since he's been there
3: i just think he's ready to get back on the field and show what he could do I, I really think he's gonna he's gonna show out for us and, and prove everybody wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Does this make the Jets team any good? Like Le'Veon Bell, Sammy? Like, cause cause, really? Well, I, mean, I don't think he... that one player like Le'Veon Bell. He's he's you know top two running back in the league. I don't think he makes that much of a difference on a pitiful franchise like the Jets.
0: Well, I guess the question to that is, how much do you believe in Sam Darnold? Do you think that he's the best quarterback out of that draft class, or Sam
1: Darnold? Oof. Pick I, don't, I don't know. I I, I like him better than a lot of the, than uh, Josh Rosen. We got Sam Darnold Jr. in the in the house over here as well <laughs> with the flame and red hair. And I don't know. I think I. The Jets have signed up, and Sammy, you can you can guess on this. I think the Jets have signed up for a seven or an eight win season, and that's frustrating. That's frustrating <laughs> as a fan, where you you spend all this money, but you just you're, you're still gonna be sorry. It's almost like they're, he's they're in the they're in the Dolphins situation where the Dolphins <laughs> yeah, never can really get anywhere uh, above what what they are who we thought they were yeah and the Dolphins today Nick did you see that they fired their yes O-line I did coach?
0: that's where exactly I was oh, going next Dolphins firing baby. their offensive line see that's why you're the co-host uh Dolphins firing offensive line coach I'm trying to get a name here uh Pat Flaherty uh I'm replacing him with Dave oh goodness this is a tough sprawl one. of it's words this one. is a tough one folks uh the goalie <sighs> We'll just call De- him D. De- we'll just call The Gilly- De- Guillermo, maybe. Well, I'll take that one. Can you just, just Sebastian and Post? Can you just copy what Luke said and just put it over that? Thank you. Uh, it's a shame that we're live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they fired him after one week. Luke, is this is this way too
1: soon, or do you think that this is a smart move to get uh, somebody out as early as they are? Well, I think I read that Brian Flores said that there was there was no one really cemented into the Miami Dolphins program, whether. They were from the past or or from what would presume be the future. And in the article I read it said that the Dolphins offensive line had struggled mm-hmm. and, and and the summer workouts and the spring as well. And then after this first week, it looked to be, I guess, so pitiful that they they had to move on. But you gotta think if you're putting together a staff, you you trust the people that are gonna be put put in there and Maybe it's better that, that you get rid of them early and don't don't stick with a dud that's going to end up hurting you down the future, especially in your first year as a coach, correct?
0: You're right, correct.
1: Adam, the Dolphins for the past couple of years have really been a team
0: that I think around the NFL, the perception is that they're a very soft team. They don't have what it takes to make the decisions that will advance the franchise. Now that Brian Flores is the new head coach, now that they are trying to install a new culture, what does this say about the Dolphins? Now that Flores has kind of already removed one of his coaching staff in the first week, is that show that he's really as serious as he made out to be in his in- introductory press conference?
4: Oh yeah, he he's just setting the tone for the team. I feel like this year. I mean, he comes in, just you know, re- revamps his like coaching staff, gets Adam Gates out of there, mm-hmm. brings in Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're on the rise. It's just, it's just going to be a little while before they get things going. Is there
1: only one way? to go like, i mean have they yeah. reached the bottom, or <laughs> don't hit bottom i don't know see,
0: i see as being a fan of miami sports as long as i have there is always a deeper
1: bottom <laughs> always a deeper bottom but i mean the heat have never really reached that had that bottom very long mm, in your life no not in my lifetime but man football but has been ever tough.
0: everywhere else it's been disastrous quick, uh, quick question here nick were sure. you
1: ever were you ever a um a, a miami football sympathizer Define sympathizer, the, the as in you you might have rooted for the Hurricanes a little bit growing up. No, absolutely
0: not, wow. absolutely not. Wow, my father was a Hurricane too. I I was actually a Gator growing up. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, which is even well. worse depending on yeah. depending on where know. you go, yeah. depending I, on I, where you go. You, you might
1: want to <laughs> cut that one out there. Yeah.
0: Well, Ooh. anyways, uh, Miami sports sympathizer, more than likely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, also because I, I'm also a Green Bay Packers fan, so That's you know, okay. yeah. Brooke, Brooks, I just became Brooks's you know brand new best friend uh (laughs) but moving on uh big talk about money this year uh, especially with running backs holding out uh Ezekiel Elliott's holding out for a contract Melvin Gordon is holding out for a contract uh Brooks what are your take on these holdouts I mean do you think they're trying to maybe catapult after what Le'Veon Bell did last year or do you think that it's just the acceptable thing to do as a running back after your 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 five-year rookie deal uh
2: it that's a really good question, Nick. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it worked out for Le'Veon um, to, a, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see either of them. Uh, I mean, knowing the guy Melvin is, knowing the guy Zeke is, I mean, they're both guys that really love playing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like that will eventually be hard for them to the point where they'll settle for a li- like, uh, little less at least uh, really? th- than, than what they see because I don't, I don't foresee either of them sitting out the whole year. Um, I mean, t- just because they're football guys, you know, mm-hmm. they they love the game, you know, and I mean, it's kind you got to get bored at some point. Just mm-hmm. sit on your couch watching. I mean, I don't care how m- how big your mansion is, but like if <laughs> if, if, if
0: yeah so, yeah, Sammy, do you do you foresee a future <laughs> in which holding out for contracts kind of becomes I'm not going to say necessarily in bad taste cuz I think as a fan you consider in bad taste I mean you pay to see these guys play. Definitely as a general manager it's in bad taste, but do you ever foresee a future in which holding out for a contract either becomes stale or in, in very bad taste?
3: Um definitely a bad taste. It'll I mean it'll bring a bad name on whoever's whoever's holding out on the contract.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and Adam, what about you? Do you do you foresee, you know, holding out for a contract either dis and especially do you anticipate that it might dissipate that idea of I'm going to hold out for my money?
4: Well, the thing is, these guys every Sunday they put their lo- their bodies on the line mm-hmm. out there. I mean, you got you got to secure the bag first. You secure gotta get that. Bag. You gotta get that paper, and then you gotta, just, you know, yeah. keep going.
0: And and it's really common around running backs, but I just found so curious because I mean, the running back position realistically has the shortest lifespan in the NFL. Maybe yep. that has something to do, Luke, with with the frequency of these players sitting out and and asking for the money. I can't remember the last wide receiver that did that. Did Des Bryant do that? Uh, no, ago? I think he was exiled. <laughs> well, I, exiled, injured, yeah, uh, handicapped. Well, who knows? yeah.
1: Here, here's the thing, Nick is that the Steelers did get lucky that James Conner was was behind Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell not being on that team as a wide receiver, at, uh, that that that's what he was good at as well. Out of the backfield, um, that hurt that hurt the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's why they didn't make it uh, to the playoffs last year. What what really interests me is that. What do the Cowboys have behind Ezekiel Elliott? What do the Chargers have behind Ezekiel Elliott? Where that gives them Melvin all, Gordon. Yeah. Uh,
0: what'd you say? You, you or, said you said Ezekiel twice.
1: Oh, <laughs> or, uh, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I almost. I think I might have said San Diego. Whew. LA Chargers. LA Chargers. I yeah, we you might. might have. We might have thrown the San Diego in there. You know, we we still believe it. Yeah. Philip Rivers still believes it. Uh, <laughs> I, either way, uh, more of the story is is they have the power. They do have the power and. Whether you do sit out, um, I I approve of it. I think mm-hmm. it's great because you you look at the rest of the the pro sports leagues, and you've got Alfrica Munu making the same, if not a little bit more money than Le'Veon Pell. Do you know who Alfrica Munu is? Yes. It, what what yeah. would you rate yes. him in the and as a top NBA player? Would what would you rate him? I mean, he's a bench player. He's a, he's a he's a backup small forward, power forward. Yeah, coach. he's probably top. He's probably a top hundred and fifty player in the NBA. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is the best running back in the NFL and is making the same amount of same amount as money. I think that this is going to really, really, really hurt the next um, collective bargaining agreement with the players' union trying to hold out for more money because the NFL is making so much they they can't they can't spend it. They're making so much. Uh, the greed of the owners is, is insane to me. And these, these running backs, Nick, their lifespan, as you said, is super short. Mm-hmm. Why why do they value quarterbacks when really the running backs are what drive this league? Well, it's been a
0: passing league for the past five years. So, I, I mean, it's really just a change in the tides in that respect. But, Adam, I guess the big question coming out of it, if you're the Cowboys, do you pay Elliott? Yes or no?
4: I say yes. Ezekiel Elliott is just an amazing running back. He's almost irreplaceable in my opinion. I mean, you can't just have Dak and Amari Cooper on that Mm -hmm. offense they need more help than just that they've always had a good offensive line I mean we all know that something they pride themselves in a lot but I feel like Zeke is just crucial to that offense that will make them succeed
0: Brooks just in comparison to the Le'Veon Bell situation last year obviously you know Le'Veon didn't exactly get paid that's that's the, the I guess the reality that we've come to accept but you know Adam already gave his answer: paying Zeke, yes or no? Do you think that the Cowboys need to take a deeper look at what they're doing here after the events of the Le'Veon Bell situation?
2: I I do think they need to pay him um, because you know, the Cowboys aren't a bad football team, you know, and and they're a team that can go to playoffs every single year. And you you see what happens when you get a good running back into a good system. We saw it last year in Los Angeles mm-hmm. when you had Sean McVay, the offensive mastermind that he is, and Jared Goff, who in my opinion is an above average quarterback. But is still not an elite quarterback. When you have a running back in there that is second to none in the Na- in the National Football League, and and you can hand him the ball and get him fi- give him five yards mm-hmm. every play, and if you can do that in Dallas against the teams they're playing, that's an automatic playoff berth. Mm-hmm. That's at least one playoff win. I mean, that's a that's a team that, as much as I hate to admit it. It can, win, can go to a Super Bowl, Nick, or at if, least an NFC championship.
1: Nick, if Ezekiel Elliott is not on this team, we're going to figure out why Dak Prescott is not going to get paid.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just taking a look at the division, you need to pay Zeke just because the time to strike as a Dallas Cowboy is right now. You take a look at the Washington Redskins, they're rebuilding with Dwayne Haskins. New York Giants do not appear to be good anytime soon, and the Eagles lost Nick Foles, which of course Carson Wentz is going to be coming back. But I but just have a I have did. a sneaking suspicion that Nick
1: Foles was the real leader and glue of that team. We're going to see how he does well, in Jacksonville, obviously. But what about the health? The health of of Carson Wentz? It, it, he was an MVP candidate before he went down. I believe it was week fourteen or fifteen for that Super Bowl run. It's really the health for him. Who 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 can they get to to save it? And and you're right. You're right. It's time. The time is now for the Cowboys and. Really, man, it's almost like uh, Tony Roma might need to come out and really show oh, him I don't what's know up. That. But it, I don't know dude, about that. I, I
0: kind of like him more in the broadcast
1: booth. I than like him I in the, the broadcast player. booth too. But I really think that he uh, he he got some. He got really screwed uh, <laughs> for for Dak Prescott taking back over his job. We're about halfway through the show, so we're gonna take
0: about a two minute break. You're listening to Tom Hawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll see you on the other side.
5: My thoughts are a battlefield, it's so surreal
4: and unfamiliar
2: Dropping the listener to so find serene with oak and cedar
3: of sage and signs delivered
2: Smoking grass to find our facts while hopes decay and win
0: And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. And on the other side of the break, we were talking about running backs getting the bag, as Adam liked to says, uh, liked to say. Wow, that was almost perfect English from an English English <laughs> major. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're talking about whether running backs get paid or not, but something that we didn't fail to mention, or we did fail to mention, rather, was that there are a couple Florida State players in their first uh, NFL preseason, and one of those players is, the affirm- is, is Brian Burns. Yeah. And uh, Jay Sutton has been tagging us on Twitter all week. It's been a fantastic experience to see what uh, he's been able to uncover. So I, we do have Jay on the line. Jay, can you hear me?
5: I can hear you loud and clear, man. Loud all right.
0: Well, uh, you have been covering uh, the, I guess the, the first preseason days of Brian Burns over in where is it? Charlotte? Is it Durham? Where, where is, where is the the Panthers camp? I, the, the the place that's facing, uh, uh, it's placing me. this is Spartanburg, Spartanburg, South
5: Carolina Walker College.
0: Okay, well, just I'm just gonna give you kind of free reigns. What have you been seeing? What have you been hearing about Burns? first couple of days as a Carolina Panther.
5: Uh, well, you know, everyone is impressed with him so far. So, those fans, you should be happy. Uh, the coaches are impressed. They have high expectations for him. Um, the veteran players are impressed, and they have high expectations as well. As far as my own eyes, um, I've seen some good things. Like he's really, really, really fast. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you, if you watch him at FSU, you already know that. But um, he's really fast. Um, he's built like a basketball player. It's really odd. Uh, standing next to him, me and him were like the exact same size. Really? Um, yeah, the exact same size. And so uh, we we look forward to seeing him bulk up some, and you know think that'll help him out more. Um, but he's had some insane moves that he's put on some guys uh, since training camp has started. There's been a couple of times where he got destroyed, where where you can see the lack of size, which you know. He absolutely got demolished by a couple of offensive linemen, but um, it's all part of the process. And I think I think he'll be a great player for Carolina. I, I, if I had to put you know um, put it out there, I think that he'll be a situational guy his okay. first year, at least for the first half um, of, of his first year, splitting carry, uh, splitting time with Bruce Irving that we
1: just got. But mm-hmm.
5: um, in the future, he'll be a big part of what they're doing in Carolina.
1: Jay, uh, what 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 do you think of JV and Elliott? He was a walk-on at Florida State and then went to the Buccaneers as an undrafted free agent. Came over to the Panthers in the offseason. His contract isn't guaranteed. I believe it's $900,000. He's fighting for a roster spot. What what did you hear from him?
5: Uh, he is fighting for a spot, and I talked to him, uh, and he said that you know he's taking it one day at a time. He's just trying to go out there and prove himself and take it one play at a time, one day at a time and earn a spot and I talked with uh, Coach Rivera today as well about Elliott, and you know he looked, he said that he could see um, he could see Elliott fitting into that nickel spot on the defense, the nickel corner slot. Um, but you know he has to prove himself, and he said he'll have a chance to prove himself coming up uh, when they split practice with the Buffalo Bills and that'll be a good time for him to do it then. So we'll, we'll see what's to come.
1: Jay, uh, final one here from me. I think Nick might have one uh, after this. But what what has the whole experience been representing the station and meeting all these other uh, national media members? I know it was kind of on a whim that we got you out there. But uh, how excited have you been to, to go and do this in, at Wofford uh, for the Carolina Panthers?
5: Man, outside of the heat, uh, everything <laughs> has been great. <laughs> The heat has been whooping my butt. I'm a little under the weather right now. Uh, you know, every time I leave Florida, the change of humidity gets me sick. But um, other than that, man, I've I met some really, really great people. Um, they've been so helpful. Um, I don't know if you all remember uh, Jordan Rodrigue. She was with the Charlotte Observer. was the one that did the interview with, with Cam, and he said something funny about route running. She's there. She's with the Athletic now, and she's just she's been so helpful. Um, her, among other people, people from ESPN, people uh, from the Athletic, the Charlotte, the Charlotte Observer. It's, it's been a really great time.
0: Jay, one final question for you here, brother. Uh, if you could just recap, you were able to ask Brian Burns what you know, the transition from college to NFL was like and how uh, Taggart and Florida State prepared him for that moment. Can you just kind of recap the answer that he gave you for us?
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, he said they had a lot of conversations with him about taking care of business and just being a professional and being a man on and off the field. And so I guess that goes in, as a part of just not just X and, X's and O's, but, you know, like just doing what everything you need to do, preparation of your body, studying the playbook, uh, you know, showing up to meetings on time, being the first one out there, which he has, you know, doing all of the small things to separate yourself and that that will help him succeed at the next level.
0: All right, Jay, thank you so much for taking the time to call into the show. I really do hope you feel better. I hope the change in weather uh, suits you better on your way back. Uh, be safe and uh, take care, my friend.
3: All right,
5: thank you, man. I appreciate
0: it. All right, thank you. And, of course, that was Jay Sutton at Wofford College, you know, covering uh, Brian Burns uh, in, his, in his first couple days and the Carolina Panthers in general. Uh, really proud and happy for Jay.
1: You know what I found was interesting? I, I forgot to ask Jay about this one was Gerald McCoy from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's right. Is, is over on the Panthers. I, I should have jumped in there. But what what I found was really cool. He said going in early, getting the pads. Gerald McCoy has been taking the pads of all of his teammates. Uh, he had done that with Tampa Bay as if he was a rookie. Uh, he's taking Maul back, uh, kind of doing like the rookie hazing, mm-hmm. um, trying to establish himself as a leader. And that guy was just so great in Tampa. I think that that's a huge pickup for the Panthers, giving them depth and a, and a guy that that brings that leadership, that mentorship to to what is a young team. Absolutely, it was very
0: interesting for me to hear Jay said that he thought Burns would take up maybe a maybe a half half time role. Not not, not like a half time role. I guess that's a poor choice of words. But I guess half on, half off. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a situational role. I think he he chose the words. You know that um, burst that that burst that you get where. So maybe just a third down edge rusher. I think he, I think his ceiling is just a little bit. Higher than that, I would be surprised if they used him for just their down edge rush. But
1: the I, you got to look at the Carolina Panthers' defense. It's pretty darn good. Yeah, it's so, good already. Yeah. So they've they've got that depth. It's it's always good to have um. What, I can't find the word of it, but um, something of riches. Uh, wh- whatever the word is, it's great that <laughs> the Carolina Panthers have him as a backup role in order to insert. And I think he's gotten first team reps as well as Jay, Jay has said. Mm-hmm. So. It it'll be cool to see what he does in the pros. I know that Josh Sweat a couple years ago left and went to the Eagles. Um, Demarcus uh, oof, uh, Walker went over to went over to the Denver, uh, Denver Broncos. So the the edge rushers for Florida State are, are out there, man. I, I'm excited to see uh, wh- what what these alums can do. Is it is it e- is Florida State E R U? Is it Edge Rusher University? No, it's I, prob- probably not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so.
0: It, yeah, probably
2: not. I hate those comments. I know. I I, it dude, I hate them too. Who
1: cares? Who cares? I, I really. Um, yeah. It's people produce good football players, right? So come on, good,
0: good college teams prefer, produce good college football players, and that's the end of the story. So. Uh, before we go to the uh, the MLB trade deadline, we did have one story that I did want to talk about. Uh, Marcus Smart appearing on I don't know if it was First Take or, or some one of your your variety favorite sports talk shows earlier, and he was saying and I guess imploring to, the fans of the Celtics not to uh, not to place any blame on Kyrie Irving for the way that the last season went. Sammy, you were hot about this. I'm curious to hear your take in the most G-rated way as possible. But uh, how much blame should Kyrie get for the way that the Celtics have uh, performed last season?
3: I think he should take. All, I think he gets all the blame. You know, he oh. demanded the trade out of Cleveland, mm-hmm. saying, "I want to be the leader." And he goes, he goes, he goes to Boston, and after one year, what is it, one, one, one year? It was
1: two. two he two was injured. He was injured the first year, and it's kind of been. Are Are you mad because it was like a diva type mentality where you saw it happen at the end with the Cavaliers, and then. Would he come out at the beginning of the season say that I'm gonna re-sign with Boston? Is that is that what really ticked you off? Is that he, he really isn't a man of his word in, in that sense?
3: Um. Yeah, you know the the fact that he did say he was gonna re-sign with Boston kind of did tick me off, but to jump ship only after two years, after playing with with you know up and coming players, mm-hmm. I just think it's not it's not the right move.
0: Yeah, Adam, how much blame should uh, Kyrie get for for the role? Uh, The Celtics had last season
4: I mean I wouldn't put it all on him I mean like you said he 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 had a big role on that team obviously he wanted to be the leader like Mm -hmm. he said Mm -hmm. coming out of Cleveland he's like I want to be the main guy but like it, it was just a bad situation for him in Boston I feel like he needed to get out
0: so Brooks having Kyrie not want to be that leader anymore uh as as his time with the Celtics kind of showed uh what, what do you foresee happening with the Nets? Obviously, it's going to be him and KD. They're going to be the veteran players. They're going to take up those veteran roles, those leadership roles. He doesn't want to be a leader. How do you how do you see that working out for the Nets? Uh,
2: well, Kyrie, uh, along with Kevin Durant, um, are both uh, what I would call alphas uh, on the basketball court. They both, with uh, they both take control of the game. Uh, and um, when he says he comes out and literally says he doesn't want. Flat out says he doesn't want to accept that leadership role. Uh, if I'm the coach of the Nets or the, the GM of the Nets, I I personally have a, at least a little bit of a problem with it mm-hmm. because we didn't bring you in here explicitly to do that, but with a young team, the expectation is that you and Kevin Durant, two guys with a lot of experience, fill in that role by default.
0: Right. Well, that, I, I mean, I found that really interesting, Luke, N- You know that, well, that Marcus Smart, of all people, was kind of making that comment. I mean, he's kind of the talkative one of that team anyways, uh, but apart from Terry <laughs> Rozier, who got <laughs> sent and axed and, and, and went to, to Charlotte.
1: Oh, he got his money, too. Well, Roger. yeah. That was great for him. But but it, he's
0: going to be stuck
1: on a dead team for the next three years. So I mean, Marcus Smart is a very um, smart, talkative guy. Okay. I, I would say he's um, controversial at times, and mm-hmm. this was – A statement that was a little bit more reserved but if you're boston fans you're going uh, why are you defending a guy who basically single-handedly crushed our our way of you know getting the getting the franchise back to the top and what i have a problem with is people think that it's bad that kyrie irving doesn't want that straight leadership role where, where he is it's his team almost and he's proven that he has failed in that he's actually not only has he failed he's crumbled in those situations it almost is like Kyrie Irving needs one of those guys that, that isn't at the top of his game towards the end of his career to be the one who settles the locker room. I, I believe Richard Jefferson was that type of player for the Cavaliers. Um, Shanning Fry as well. The Nets need to hire some guy that can really pull it together because Kyrie Irving kind of he, – he's he's one of those guys that distances himself from, from problems and kind of – he seems like a powder, doesn't he? A yeah. little bit of a powder. yeah. I I would agree with that statement.
0: So uh, we got about 15 minutes left in the show. Uh, MLB trade deadline, not over yet. Uh, Brett, when does, when does the deadline end? Does it end Wednesday at four four o'clock? So there's still a little bit of time left uh, to get things done. There are a couple of moves that could happen. A lot of moves. I'm not going to say a lot, a fair amount of moves have already happened a lot with the Mets, which I thought was extremely, extremely interesting. And Adam is, is a Mets guy. Uh, so he's going to have a lot to say here, but lots of Mets in the in this year's trade deadline talks. Uh, they dealt for Marcus Stroman, uh, set out a couple of their key pieces in their farm system, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods-Richardson, a couple of pitchers. Uh, the Mets do not plan to flip, at this point they don't plan to flip uh, Marcus Stroman. Uh, they also, I guess the biggest piece in the entire uh, trade deadline or, or trade block is uh, uh, Noah Syndergaard, and uh, there's rumors that he might bounce, so uh, I guess, Adam, what, what, do, what do you takes on the uh, the Mets' moves? Especially well, be, especially because they've been on the uh, the underside
4: of 500. It's a weird time to start selling. Yeah, well, the Mets are in a position where they're at 15-55 right now. It's like the international about, water. It's uh, like, about as middle <laughs> as you can get. And they're starting a, a series of the White Sox tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, pending on how these two games go, that the Mets make this decision, whether they're going to be buyers or sellers, because... Because Noah Syndergaard is just—he's the biggest piece of the trade deadline so far—and mm-hmm. everybody wants that ticket. Is
0: Syndergaard pitching in the in the two games next he's two He's pitching
4: tomorrow night. So that's going to be interesting. I'm not—I'm
0: not sure that his performance would really directly impact his trade value. Uh,
1: maybe it might.
0: Maybe I, maybe maybe some cash considerations. maybe would a say little bit
1: lower. What What it would do is it would make people want him quicker. Yeah. Let's not wait till the end and see. I think it would drive someone to to throw something out there, but. Noah Syndergaard has been up and down. They they mentioned that he they might have tried to move him to be a closer at the end of games because of what's been going on, and the Mets are just kind of a mess. But it really I wish that we had Gianna here to see what her take was <laughs> you on know, Marcus that- Stroman because I saw it happen and everyone was like, I don't know whether to like this or not because he's a great pitcher, but.
0: Why now? Why now? That's exactly the question that I was asking. And it just it's I kind of agree with the, with the first thing you said, just asking Gianna's opinion, because the Mets have been an absolute dumpster fire. And I feel like every single time something happens with the Mets, I kind of just want to ask her opinion because maybe, I
1: know that it kind of upsets Maybe they're her. playing for the next two years. I don't know the contract situation with Stroman, and they know that they're going to be trading away their, one of their aces. But still, it's – uh. It 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 was it, that's probably the most puzzling move I've seen of the MLB trade, line, uh, trade deadline. Is why the Mets have decided to up their rotation when they're getting ri- It's I I don't I don't know the Mets and I don't think their fans do either. It's it's become so bad at this point that I think that they have become what the Cubs fans were the <laughs> lovable losers, except for they they hate their team. Yeah, they, they hate them. Uh, I think they hate their owners. Well, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and management for one. Uh, Strowman has two years left. He's going to be a free agent in twenty twenty one. So, uh, two years. I guess that's a sh- that's about as as in the middle ground in terms of short term, long term kind of deal that you get. I guess he
1: he makes a um like you know. A little... I
0: mean, it's a make or break year next year, essentially, for yeah. Strowman. I don't uh, know.
1: It's they're... The Mets are weird, man. Yeah. I, and, and the the <laughs> the Yankees, I th- I think the Yankees need a starting pitcher. They and do. They have said they have said that, that that they're open to trying to get Syndergaard or whatever. But the problem with the Yankees that they have right now is they don't have very good prospects, Mm-mm. and they have great major leaguers. But what are they gonna what are they willing to give away to put them over the top? Because they're one of the 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 better probably the best team in baseball. But you give up maybe Lemayhu. Oof, I would never. I I, well, I don't I mean, know why. I it's it's tough to say, Nick. But in in my opinion, they're they're worried about when it comes to October and what wins baseball games is pitching. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Brooks, obviously, with Stroman coming into the, the big city, the Big Apple. Uh, the Mets moved Vargas, which I th- I thought was probably a good idea considering what happened with him earlier in the season. That was probably the guy that probably should have been uh, tossed from the team in terms of receiving and sending out. Uh, starting pitching, but in terms of Noah Syndergaard, we're gonna ask about him again. Uh, Padres are big suitors for New, uh, for Noah Syndergaard right now, uh, and and Adam, you can you can chime in on this as well. Uh, do you see Syndergaard heading to the Padres? I mean, they have the farm system to sell out in order to get the him as a pitcher. Uh,
2: San Diego is one that I I really don't see personally happening. Um, I, I would see e- the Astros, or I, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I would I would definitely see the Yankees snatching him up because all their starters have an ERA over four, and they need they need a guy that can alleviate some of that bullpen stress that's going to come if if the starters aren't picking it up. Um, uh, San Diego is an interesting one because mm-hmm. they're with the farm system. Is it is it give up uh, two or three guys for Syndergaard, who hasn't been overly impressive this year? I mean he throws ninety eight, but if he's not getting outs, it doesn't matter.
5: You mm-hmm. know what
4: I'm saying? Adam, what's your price for Syndergaard if you're selling? Well, Specifically the Padres. I would be asking for Mackenzie Gore, mm-hmm. their, their top pitching prospect, which they have already said they are not interested in dealing him at the trade deadline. So if, if I'm the Mets, if I'm Brody Van Wagenen, I am holding off on the Padres. I'm, I'm taking calls from the Astros. Mm-hmm. All these teams that are contenders that need another starting pitcher in the rotation to help them put them over the hump.
0: So, Sammy, uh, another pitcher, huge starting pitcher, rumored in the uh, the trade block of things, um, Madison Bumgarner, uh, his time in the Giants. It's, it, it's felt like, Luke and, and Sammy, that it's been coming to an end for a while now. I don't know. It, it feels I, like it's been a rocky relationship. But I, Sammy and Luke, you know, you can answer this joint, you know, together. Uh, where Do you see Bumgarner going anywhere, or do you think that he's going to stay— uh, throughout the rest of the season
1: for the Giants. Sammy's going and looking over at me as if uh, he, he he's worried about the Giants as well. They they just uh, – I think that they were holding it out, waiting to see if the Giants were going to be anything this year. And that marriage has been a part ever since that dirt biking accident that mm-hmm. Bo Gardner had – was it a year or two ago? I want to say like two years ago. And he hasn't exactly been the same type of pitcher. And whatever went down with uh, – uh, I, what what team was it where the home run went into the water and he tried to? I think fight. that was the Dodgers.
0: Yeah. I think that was, was Max Muncy. Yeah,
1: Max Muncy. You know, go go pick it out of the the bay or whatever. It's uh, the Madison Bumgarner. I don't want to say that his time ha- is up with the Giants, but the Giants are in a weird spot where their manager uh, Bruce Bochy is retiring at the end of the season. They don't really have the you know the Evan Mongoria trade didn't really work out for him. They don't no. have the 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 great team. And so they've got this great player in Madison Bumgarner. What can they get out of them? They need to sell at the right time. And really, do do you think in the next two or three years would the Giants be able to be anything? And I don't. So it might be the time for for the Giants to rebuild and, and maybe pull it around in five or six years and see what they got.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting situation in San Francisco. Uh, the Cubs were able to pick up—just um, completely lost the name right in front of me. They were—they pa- were able to pick up, I think, Maldonado, uh, catcher. Uh, they kind of filled up a really nice spot there. I actually really like this trade for the Cubs. It's—it's it's been a spot that's kind of been uh, a question mark at who that second person is. Obviously, there's Swarber. There is uh, Wilson Contreras. Quinter- uh, uh, he is put on the IL, so this is a pretty timely pickup for the Cubs. They bolstered that 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 receiving. Um, behind the plate so uh, Adam do you do you agree with that assessment of, of that trade or do you think
4: that it's just yeah I think a, an it's, okay trade yeah, I think it's a good move it gives them more insurance behind the plate Wilson Contreras was just on the 10-day DL or IL sorry mm-hmm.
1: Nick who's the team that you think needs needs someone badly to, to get over the hump Red Sox I think they, they got Andrew Kashner
0: but I do think that they need somebody else they need an extra piece I mean the Red Sox have been kind of stale Really all season, and that's yep. really been kind of weird because – It every, got off to a horrible start. Horrible start, but it's everybody's been saying, okay, well, th- I'm not worried about the Red Sox. I'm not worried about the Red Sox. They're going to get up. They're going to get out of their seats. They're going to show up. They're going to show up off the bus eventually and
1: haven't quite gotten off the bus I yet. I think they're a game back of the Rays. They are a game back. Half, half a game. Half, so half, a game back. half a game back. So, I mean, the, the AL East has always been you know, a type of division that all three – You know, the top three teams have been hand-in-hand, who's going to get that wild-covered spot and uh, win the division. It'll be interesting to see if Boston has that dangerous lineup, man. If they can turn it on, that's a team that you want to watch out for headed into the postseason. I would not want to play a wild-card Boston team. They do do have a couple of really nice prospects as well.
0: Uh, A third baseman, of which the name escapes me right now, uh, there's there's talks of him possibly going uh, for a pitcher. Um, I don't I don't know. It really just feels like the Red Sox, they need to do a little bit something extra if they want to save this season because the Yankees right now, apart from their pitching most, are very, very strong.
1: Uh, the Rays, maybe if they turn it up, they'll be a threat in the postseason. They've been hurt by injuries and everything. It it, it, it It's going to be really interesting what, what transpires in the AL. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Sergio Romo was sent to the Giants not to the Giants. They were sent to to somebody. Uh, I just you, lost he was it on up. the Marlins. He was on the Marlins. I, I hate my computer. Just I think it was completely a, was it scrolled bit, out the of the Cubs way. Or who was it? I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll find out here momentarily. Either way, uh, question can still be asked. I mean, Sergio Romo, obviously a veteran player, three rings with the Giants. Uh, he, he leaving the Marlins organization. My question is, when do the Marlins stop selling? Because it seems like they don't. I mean they have a lot of prospects but it's it's really just like the water is going to overflow at some point with prospects. When do you when do you stop selling? I mean the Marlins
4: they just have fire sales it seems I, like every yeah, year every yeah, single one of their players. Welcome to my world, right? I mean um, you have the best you have the best outfield in all of baseball and you just you just throw it away basically. Mm-hmm. You just hey. throw your window away, but I mean there's you can never have enough prospects. Not all of them pan out obviously, but I mean it's just nice to have more insurance ah. in your system, have a good system. But the Marlins just don't have a good system as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've traded all these guys away, but haven't gotten that much in return.
1: Nick, don't talk to Sammy about the Marlins, man. That's a that's a little bit of a, a close one to the heart right there. Well, the I, I guess I
0: kind of have to ask Sammy about the Marlins now. Uh, I mean, I mean, Sergio Roma finally found him. My my computer completely scrolled away on me, but. Uh, Roma went to the twins. Really nice pickup for the twins. I think that's a really nice veteran presence that this young team has, especially with how well they've been, been performing this season. But you know, Brooks can chime in as well because I was gonna ask him basically the same thing that I asked Adam. I'm like, when do the Marlins stop selling? I mean, it's literally just been an open, open check, a blank check for the Marlins. And <laughs> and it's just it's been the weirdest period of selling that I have seen in a long time. So when does it end? Does it end?
2: Uh that's a really good question. Again, Nick, I, I'm wondering where you come up with these absolute stunners. Well, um, I mean, it's get them been, off. Mute us, it. Mike. It's we been, don't take
1: suck-ups in this room. It's been four years of Ooh.
0: hard, multi-layered you know, layered shifts, just
1: working till 5 in the morning. Not really, but, you know. Yeah, just eat, breathe, sleep, you know, questions, sports, golly. Questions. I mean, Nick, I, I was texting you the other night, and it was, what, 3 a.m., and you were just going yeah, I was really thinking about what what was going on with with this question, battling <laughs> over this one that you just asked, and and just to see you stump our guys around here, the the freshmen, just you got to calm it do down. Uh, over there, man. Do you
0: remember that show? Uh, stump the Schwab. I, feel uh, like, I do remember. I, stump stump the like, the Schwab, uh, yes. I feel
1: like I feel like
0: maybe I had a future on that you show. You know, Nick
1: Nick
2: Carlisle stump the Nick Schwab. You know, I,
1: I like it. I like it.
0: But anyways, would you yeah. like to answer that wonderful <laughs> question?
2: Yeah, I would. Um, uh, it's weird. The the Marlins seemed like one of those teams that they've had guys and they've had guys to do it and then they've gone and they've given them away they sold them away and it it seemed it almost seems like an endless cycle of have prospects trade or have good baseball players trade them for prospects get a farm system develop them and yet again trade them again and win 60 games a year mm-hmm. which is contrary to popular belief not successful <laughs> uh, right. in, in major league baseball so in terms of putting a timetable on when they're gonna stop selling, it it's who knows.
0: Well, do you? Well, Adam, do you think that eventually, I mean, the Marlins are just stockpiling prospects to sell it like them back away themselves? Like, are they just trying to get talent? Like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what they're trying to
4: do here. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody knows what they're trying to do well. at this point. But I mean, <laughs> they're just a team that, like Brooks said, they get caught in this endless loop where they just they they develop the develop these players, mm-hmm. and they bring them up, and then they, they acquire value, and they just ship them off for, like, mid-of-the-range, like, prospects, and they just get caught in this endless loop. I don't know what it's going to end.
1: Nick, we're at the end of the show. I want to give Sammy a send-off here. Sammy, give me your best Florida State sports moment that, that you had here. Get on your soapbox, buddy.
3: Best Florida State moment? It's a good one.
1: Probably, I, if, I'm not gonna answer for you, but
0: I mean the first time that you were in the press box, I I, I remember you know walking in and seeing your face light up and yeah you know, taking taking the picture on the field. That was probably a pretty big one, right? Would mm-hmm. you? Yeah, uh, was that big was that
3: there also? Uh, um, first time I got to cover the FSU basketball game mm-hmm. against uh, Notre Dame. Wow, yeah.
0: Was that was that the year where they won? I think is Notre Dame, Louisville, something ridiculous like back to back to back, like three straight wins. So this past season. Oh, the past season. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Still a big win though. <laughs> Still a big I, one. Either way, either way, man. I just feel it feels so sappy in here, Nick. Man, yeah. we're just throwing all these send-offs here, Nick. You're you're coming up pretty soon as well. I'm coming. up, but Yeah, a couple you, weeks. Couple do you, weeks. Do you, do you have a little announcement you want to share, or you know, maybe maybe a little? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've recently. I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Another year of school,
0: graduate school. You know, no, yeah. No, 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 I no. no, I have recently accepted an internship with the Osceola um working on their unconquered uh magazine which is uh, three print editions nine digital editions it's a rebooting publication but uh there's going to be a lot of good work so i'm really excited about that but um it's really about sammy sammy's last show thank you all so much for what you've been able to do for the station whether it's been you know doing your shift or covering the games coming on the show it's been really appreciated and it's been fantastic having you here but uh, with that being said we have reached the end of tomahawk talk for this week we'll be back next week with more sports more florida state stories the latest greatest in florida status everything you know and love new releases up next for luke for adam for brooks for sammy i've been your host nick carlisle we'll see you next week